Welcome to Saltier Politics. Julie and I have quite a lot to talk about. But first of all, uh, to start this week on a lighter note, I learned that Julie was a Britney Spears fan. What do you mean was? Is Cur- a Britney Curly. Spears fan. And will always be a Britney. I love Britney. I, I, this is a revelation to me because Britney, to me, can do no wrong. Well. It doesn't matter. She can shave her head. So I love early 2000s Britney. Um, I, I'm not sure that I've been following Brittany around so much, but the reason this came up, Emily, is that you came to my house for dinner <laughs> last week, and we started talking about music, and um, I admitted that uh, my friend Juliet Huddy, who a lot of people who listen to the show know, remember from Fox, and I and a, and a guy friend of ours went to the Justin Timberlake concert, I would say, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and it was creepy because everybody was like, oh, are you bringing the kids? And we were like, no, we don't have any kids. We just love Justin Timberlake. We were by far the oldest people at that concert who were not there with teenagers or little preteen kids. And we loved it. And that spawned this whole conversation about how I secretly or not so secretly love Britney. Well, I my text tone is and will always continue to be when someone texts me and says, it's Britney, bitch, <laughs> which is so professional. <laughs> That's but, great. But what is your, do you have a favorite Britney song? I know it's tough. She has quite that. You know, um, I love early Britney. Okay. Um, what Me Against the Music, the one that she did with Madonna, I love that one. That was really good. That was quite a moment. Well, that her when she made out with Madonna at the Movie Awards was yeah. a very happy time in my life. You know what? I actually thought that was kind of forced. It yeah. was like Madonna. The problem with Madonna, and I can go on and on in this, and let me just go back by saying that I my first my very first concert that I ever went to was the Madonna Like a Virgin concert at Radio City Music Hall, I want to say in the fifth grade maybe. And... Um, Sixth grade, I don't know, at some point back in the day. And so I go back with Madonna a long way. I, I grew up in the 80s. I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm paralleling Madonna musically as, as somebody who was into her um, as a little girl. But the problem with Madonna is like she gets on these trends and she tries to emulate trends. Like she never actually has been a trendsetter for a very long time. She's just like getting on trends. So then basically Britney was like the big thing. So she made out with Britney, the music awards. Britney didn't need Madonna to, val- to validate her. Britney's Britney, man. She's Britney, bitch. She doesn't need Madonna. But Britney got me through my first half marathon, too. You I thought, said that. That's yeah. a lot of Britney. It is. But at the end, I, this one was just, again, it was my first one. It was kicking my butt. And then uh, I think Work Bitch came on, and I, and I worked. Speaking of half marathons, the other thing that um, you are doing with me, um, so I am, as you know, there's nothing in the world, really, there's nothing in the world I hate more than running. I, my, my passion... <laughs> My hatred of running, there's no other emotion that, that exists that I feel towards anything the way I do about running. I hate it, hate it, hate it. However, like a dope, I committed to running a 5K, and by running, I mean hobbling a 5K, uh, my first 5K in September. And you're going to do it with me, and it's going to be pretty funny because um, you might be calling the ambulance. So, no, somewhere, so, so the, around the half, the half only K thing, mark. The only thing I will be calling out are Britney Spears lines. That's it. I mean, I've been training for this 5K, Emily, and it's embarrassing because you are such an incredible runner and you actually enjoy it. So I've been training for it. And by training, I mean, like, I try to run. I go to Central Park. Um, I, I hate every moment of it. It's almost ruining Central Park for me. If, by the way, if it weren't for Central Park and my love of the park, I don't know that I could do it. But it's just being in the park is the only way I can even motivate myself to do it. But... Um, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do it. I'm not sure that I'm ready to. No, you, you will be doing it, I, and I you will know. be rocking it. I mean, I ran this past weekend. I was up in Massachusetts, up in the Berkshires, um, at my house up there, and I was running for, I want to say, 
hmm, 15 minutes without interruption, and I thought I was going to die. Like, literally, I thought I was going to die. It was not even close. Like, an ambulance almost had to be called. So we'll see. That was about a... I'm going to pretend generously that I did a mile and a half, but really I didn't. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how I could do 3.1 or whatever 5K is, but hopefully you'll help get me through it. You'll rock it. Something that I has been kind of really annoying me this week is the whole story. Well, the, the reaction to the story in Castro's tweet when he uh, called out the 44 Trump supporters. Right. Uh, and a lot of the Trump supporters and a lot of the GOP are calling it doxing, but it is not doxing because this is public information and that kills me that because doxing is a serious thing like if people are in the closet or something like that when it's a private matter that is made public by someone else but this this is not this public material i actually know a little something about this because i I, I've, i've worked in campaigns all these years so there's many ways you can donate politically right you can donate the way these people did to trump for president or whatever entity um, files with the Federal Election Commission, and when you do that, and when you max out, which all these all these people did, um, what that means is that they wanted their names out there. Um, it is publicly available information. In fact, anybody can go on the FEC website and look up donors. They could look up your name, my name, anybody's name to see whom we've given to, which political campaigns or political action committees we've given to that are listed with the FEC. If you want to be anonymous, the Supreme Court, boy, did the Supreme Court give you a gift um, in Citizens United. What it means is that you can anonymously um, give money to people for a better America, whatever right. PAC name they want to come up with, a, a 501c4 name they want to come up with. And what that means um, that is that they can give any amount of money, any, really, I mean, somebody could give a billion dollars if they wanted to, and um, their name would never be disclosed. And what's interesting about that is it's, it, it's not a direct political contribution, but you can run ads saying Donald Trump is the greatest president ever. Um, so call the White House and tell Donald Trump what a fantastic human being he is. It's basically a campaign ad without saying the words vote for or against Donald Trump. Um, so these people, you know, for, for years Republicans have been talking about how, how money is speech. The Supreme Court said the same thing, that it's a First Amendment right money speech. Well, these people maxed out. So that means that they essentially gave the biggest amount of money they legally could give to the president's campaign. And what that means is that they are not just speaking. They're speaking with a really loud megaphone. They wanted their names out there. They wanted the president to know that they gave. They wanted their neighbors to know that they gave. If they didn't want to know that and they still wanted to give, there were many anonymous vehicles with which they could do it. That's point one. Point two is... How many times has George Soros and others, I mean, how many times has the president blamed George Soros for funding this or funding that or funding, you know, imaginary migrant caravans across, you know, Latin America coming up here um, to the point where somebody just got sentenced for 20 years for sending a pipe bomb to George Soros and to other Democrats because the president has consistently said that they fund liberal causes. So you can't, on the one hand, accuse George Soros of funding liberal causes with all the attendant danger that that puts him in, and then scream about the fact that Julian Castro simply gave out public information that any dope can go www.fec.gov, look up somebody's name, and find out whom they've given to. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the outrage is a little, the pearl clutching is a little hypocritical. I, I'll, I'll accept it if you have publicly said before that you oppose President Trump um, saying what he said about George Soros's donations or Tom Steyer's donations or anybody else's. But if you haven't, then you're a hypocrite and you're a little shrinking violet 
And uh, again, you don't want your name out there? Don't give to Trump for president. Give to any of the number of, of, of dark money super PACs that are allied with him, um, and your name will never come out there. So calm down, everybody. The whole thing is really annoying. So one of the things the media has, we see outrage over this fake doxing, but you know we're on the heels of 31 dead in mass shootings over the, the past week. That is something that deserves outrage, and especially Amnesty International just issued a travel warning about the United States, which is pretty scary. The fact that people traveling here cannot, that, that gun violence is a threat. Um, I got to tell you, uh, we both live in New York, which is the largest safe city in the nation in no small part, and, and there are a lot of factors. I'm not attributing this just to this one issue, but in no small part because it is almost impossible um, to get a gun permit here, as you oh, know. Let me tell you, yeah. yeah. No, because right after the Trayvon Martin shooting in Florida, I wanted to prove to my friends how easy it would be to get a gun. Literally, um, I went to Bass Pro Shop, signed up uh, to take the gun license in Florida. class. Yes, in Florida. Did a four-hour class, went to a shooting range, showed them I could put together a Glock, shot, got a certificate, gave my fingerprints. Within four months, I had a license, a concealed weapons permit. Mm-hmm. In New York, I decided you know, to test that out and see how easy it would be. Not the same. It, first of all, is very cost prohibitive. It's at least over $400. In Florida, the whole thing was 60 So that, number one. Two, you have to fill out a ton of forms. Also, a form filling out that if you die, where will your gun go? You need to have it to go to someone who has a gun license. Wow. Right. Like, just a ton of different forms. And it took... Where did you find somebody who had a gun license in New York to put down? My cousin is dating a detective. Wow. Okay. So that was helpful. Right. Um, but so the whole process took over a year because then a detective needs to investigate your case. So it, a year and a half, a year later, I heard that a, I had to go in for an interview down at one PP, interview with a detective. One, poli- one police plaza for people who, who don't live in New York, right? Or watch Law and Order. Right. Or um, watch <laughs> Right. Exactly. Go ahead. And, uh, and, I, and I had to go back down there. And then for the license, I needed to, once I was approved for the license, I needed to actually have a gun to keep the license. You just can't, if you're planning to get a gun, you need to actually have the gun within 30 days of getting the license. So did you get a gun? I did. Okay. Because, but where, where is this gun now? It's in my apartment, locked uh, properly, but you can't have it loaded. Um, right. But it's it, the process is extremely long, cost prohibitive, and I... I especially just how close people are at all times, like in a subway. It's great that it's not that easy to get a gun. Yeah, I, you know, the part, and this has never been an issue for me until I had a, until I had a baby, and then I don't know why. This is like a fear that I have, and it's, it's not particularly rational because the odds of this happening are not huge, but I also don't think that I would have this fear if I were living anywhere else in the Western world. Every time I go to take him to a movie, and we're in a darkened theater, all I keep thinking about are all those shooters who shot up movie theaters. Remember that Batman um, shooting in Colorado? Right. Um, Even the Amy Schumer movie. Yeah, and it's just terrifying that this is something that I have to think about. It's terrifying to me that kids can take their kids... Guns are so prevalent that you have teenagers able to take their their parents' guns and walk into a school and kill... Like, it's just... And everybody keeps coming up with excuses about it. And the part that really irritates me is if this guy in El Paso, his name was Muhammad, people would be up in 
arms. We'd be talking about invading other countries right now. We'd be talking about Islamic terrorism. When I was at Fox for years, why don't you call it what it is? Islamic terrorism. Call it what it is. It's Islamic terrorism. Okay, if you are committing terrorism in the name of Islam, why can't we call this terrorism in the name of white, a white supremacy philosophy? This shooter was talking about, quote-unquote, replacement, which is a huge thing among white supremacists about how they're going to be replaced by, you know, by Jews or by Latinos or by African Americans or by whoever is not on their list of, you know, acceptable white, white people. Um, talking about a Hispanic invasion, which is mirroring a lot of the rhetoric you hear from the president and his supporters in the media. And everybody's talking about, oh, it's video games. We have to, you know, cut down on video games. I'm sorry, they don't play video games in, in Europe? Yeah. They don't have in mental health. In Japan? Like, like oh, I'm on. sorry. Yeah, Japan, which basically has virtually no all, gun violence. Right. And Nintendo was invented by the Japanese. They right. play video games in Japan all the time. Nobody's shooting up places in Tokyo. And, uh, you know, we have to talk about mental health and, you know, oh, poor these people, mental health. There are crazy people everywhere. There are people who are mentally ill everywhere. By the way, this guy was not mentally ill. He wasn't. If somebody who's mentally ill doesn't know what he's doing. This guy drove six hours, 10 hours, I don't know how long, specifically to go to El Paso, specifically because it's a, it's a majority um, minority city, specifically because it's on the border, to kill Latinos in a Walmart. And that's exactly what he did. Right. And you know why are we dancing around this issue? The very same people, look, God bless Tucker Carlson. Look, on a personal level, he and I always got along really well. But when he's saying we don't have a white supremacy problem in this country, the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, the hand-picked head of the FBI, Donald Trump's head of the FBI, said that the majority of domestic terrorism here is perpetrated by people with a white supremacy philosophy. I mean, and, and to suddenly now say, oh, well, it's video games or it's mental health. Come on, it's, call it what it is. It's, it's absolute crap. And especially also Amnesty International uh, specifically noted that a, quote, traveler's race country of origin, ethnic background, sexual orientation, or gender identity may place them at a higher risk after recent attacks linked to white supremacist ideology. Look, like, come on, that's straight, straightforward. It's a hate crime. Right. It's a hate crime. When um, 19 people hijack planes and fly them into the World Trade Center, into the Pentagon, and try to fly them into other parts of Washington before that plane was taken down in Pennsylvania... Um, those people are doing it in the name of a particular ideology. And that ideology is an anti-Western ideology. These people are doing it in the service of an ideology that is anti anybody who doesn't look like them. And when they are allowed to get away with it, because our own leaders and our own media won't call it out for what it is and are simply sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, we have to really look, why are, why are white young boys so disaffected? Oh, but, you know, they're incels, the whole incel thing. Oh, they're involuntarily celibate. It's just, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not getting laid enough. Or, oh, they're playing too many video games that are too realistic. And, you know, when they play Fortnite or they play these video games, oh, it leads them to think that it's real life and they can kill people. Or, oh, no, you know, they've got mental health issues and we have to talk about why we have this mental health problem in this country okay, all of those things are facts. We don't address mental health in this country as well as we should. I mean, I suspect that if you don't throw people off health care like the Republican Party wants to and you expand it to mental health care um, and cover mental health at this, in the same way that you cover physical health, that might go some ways towards addressing your concerns. Um, you don't want 12-year-olds playing Fortnite? Okay, I mean, you're not going to ban it. They also play those games in Japan. They play them in Western Europe. They play them in Russia. They play them everywhere. 
Um, but call it for what it is. Or if you don't want to call it for what it is, don't call it for what it is. But then the next time somebody whose name is Muhammad shoots up, uh, oh, I don't know, Fort Hood or, or, or some other ter- domestic terrorist attack by somebody who happens to be Muslim, I don't want to hear you talking about how this is some radical Islamic terrorism. Right. It is exactly the same thing, just right. in the service of a different radical philosophy. Right, and I think the rhetoric about blaming other people, blaming immigrants or something for you not attaining something or getting something just contributes to that Yeah, I mindset. mean, you know, I am the mother of a boy who in 10 years will be, not 10 years, less than 10 years, in less than a decade will be a teenage boy. Um, and do I think that we have a weird attitude generally towards young men and young boys in this country where some places they're not allowed to show emotion. There's, you know, there's a whole philosophy, but rather than addressing the root cause of that, we keep blaming this on the way poor young white boys are being treated. Let me tell you something. (laughs) In the large scheme of things, there's nothing in the world better than being a young white boy in in the United States of America, right? Right. I'm sorry, a straight young white boy, a straight young white boy. Um, and for us to sit there and think, oh, you know, it's just let, let, let's find root causes of why this is happening. It happens because some young boy can go to a store, get an assault-style weapon, and shoot it. And the problem here is that, you know, when you ask people, why do you want these, you know, weapons that, are, that, that aren't reloadable, or you have, you know, these cartridges that, that, that have up to, I don't know, X number of, of, of cartridges that can kill dozens of people in, in the span of a minute, the answer is, well, they're fun to shoot. Really? The, like, like, where does your right to bear arms end? Because what's an arm? I mean, uh, nuclear arms? Like, shoulder-powered? Hold. Yeah. It's just, I, okay, I'm glad they're fun to shoot. How about the fact that they're not being, they're fun when they're being shot at at you? There's no reason for these weapons to exist in a civilian capacity. The police want to use them? Fine but not for civilians. There's a reason why civilians shouldn't have these weapons. And nobody's trying to take away anybody's guns. Nobody's trying to take away anybody's Glock. But there's no reason in the world why this guy could have driven down to El Paso and in the span of a minute killed as many people as he did. And not just him, Dylan Roof, um, that, that guy whose name I've luckily blocked out, and Sandy Hook, the guys, you know, in Colorado, the guy in California and Gilroy. I mean, it's just the story is the same story over and over again. It's basically the same kind of gun over and over again. So why don't we get rid of the guns and then let's talk about mental health access. Completely agree. Well, those things are always making me very salty. What What's making you salty this week? Um, you know what's making me salty this week again? Um, it's, uh, it's Mitch McConnell. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you're surprised to hear this. Mitch McConnell's making me salty Again, because Mitch McConnell, um, well, actually, it's not even Mitch McConnell. It's what I said about Mitch McConnell on Twitter, and then everybody went ballistic on Twitter at me, and I actually want to explain what I said. Oh, this is good. Please read Yeah, so when Mitch McConnell broke his shoulder, and I'm sorry to hear that, I actually don't wish anybody, um, including Mitch McConnell, a shoulder, broken shoulder. I, I, I've known people who've had them, and they're awful, and it's a horrible, miserable um, situation, and I sincerely mean that I don't wish this on him. But I said something like, you know, the doctors of the ER should should wish should offer their thoughts and prayers to Mitch McConnell. And everybody went ballistic. You're so cold-hearted. You're so what happened to you? You used to be a nice person, and you're mean. No, the point that I was making was doctors in the ER could do much more to help Mitch McConnell than just offering thoughts and prayers. 
doctors of the ER have the skills and the ability to patch up Mitch McConnell's shoulder and eventually to rehabilitate it, and eventually, hopefully, it will be as good as new. Much like Mitch McConnell has the ability to do something more than offer thoughts and prayers when something like this happens in El Paso or in Dayton or in the number, I mean, we have multiple shootings a day in this country. What Mitch McConnell can do for a start is he could pass the legislation that the House passed. There's some sensible gun control legislation. I don't know, background checks maybe that the president came out in support of today or this week. Um, All of this is not rocket science. And every time there's a politician that offers thoughts and prayers, it's great. I'm happy that you're offering your prayers to victims of gun violence. If that's your thing and you believe in the power of prayer, that's fantastic. But clearly, God is not listening (laughs) because because these things keep happening. So perhaps in addition to offering your prayers, you should do some good works too. Um, you should do some, it's not, it's not just you know, faith, it's also good works. Um, and the good works that you should do is do something to prevent this from happening over and over again. Because if all the doctors in the ER, ER did for Mitch McConnell's shoulders offer their thoughts and prayers, maybe God would heal Mitch McConnell, but I'm pretty sure Mitch McConnell didn't run to his priest when his shoulder, or to his minister when his shoulder um, broke. I'm pretty sure he went to the ER because he wanted people who could do something to help him, the same way people want Mitch McConnell to do something to stop this. I say this as somebody who lives in fear of this happening to her kid. And Emily, I'm sure you do too to your family members. Um, He is standing in the way of getting this done and has consistently done that. Did that during the Obama years? Did that during Sandy Hook? Um, How many more people need to die before we do something more than offer our thoughts and prayers? So that's what's making me very salty. I agree. And I think uh, maybe to his constituents, instead of voting, he should be like, just give me your thoughts and prayers. That'll get me that'll get me in the to the Senate again. You know, you know, Mitch McConnell's vote. Just thoughts and prayers for my for my reelection win. When do do we offer thoughts and prayers to people? Again, I go back to 9-11. I was in D.C. at the time I watched the Pentagon um, basically smoke. Um, I, I came immediately back here that weekend, watched the World Trade Center, uh, you know, what was left of it, and smoke. I don't remember one person, no matter how religious, saying at the time, well, we should pray and that's all we should do. Let's offer our thoughts and prayers to the 3,000 people who died um, on 9-11. No, we mobilized and we went to war, in two countries as a matter of fact. Um, and everybody was, was, was looking for action from our president and everybody was looking for action from our Congress. And this is, how many people get killed a year from gun violence in this country? People are looking for action and nobody is providing it. Um, and I really wish people would just stop with the thoughts and prayers, or if you wanna pray, that's your decision. But you know, we don't live in a theocracy, we live in a democracy. And we don't elect our leaders to pray. Um, if I want to pray, I will go see a rabbi or a priest or a minister or an imam or you know whoever a Wiccan, um, um, whoever. <laughs> um, but I'm not. I, I'm not looking for prayers from Mike Pence, who of course also tweeted out thoughts and prayers. I'm not looking for prayers from Mitch McConnell. If I want to. If I'm looking for prayers, I'm going to a religious leader. I'm looking for actual concrete action from them. And. They better start. Yeah. It's, 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 I didn't vote you into office for your prayers. I voted you into office for action. For action, and getting of course. Stuff done. Of course. Um, all right. So what I am salty about this week is Alaska just recorded its warmest July on record with temperatures in the 90s, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So Alaska's temperature was 4.5 degrees Fahrenheit. 
5.4 degrees Fahrenheit above average. And there's major die-offs of different mammals and animals in Alaska. And this is just another example of the impending damage that climate change is doing and will do. Um, yeah, and, and it's the poorest countries that are going to suffer first. And it's, there's uh, you know NASA and others, um, including our intelligence agencies, said this, this poses a massive, massive threat to us. Rising temperatures will lead to more violence. It will lead to food insecurity. It will lead to mass, yes, mass migration as these people leave their countries in search of a place where they can actually eat. Um, and I'm very happy, again, that Mitch McConnell um, is concerned about fossil fuels and how coal is uh, important to Kentucky. But um, it's, it's not a joke. I mean, it's, time is running out, as, as, as people keep warning about all the time. And if you see what the summer has been like everywhere, it's the hottest summer on record. Uh, the hottest summer before that on record, I think, was last year or the year before. Right. It, is, it was 108 degrees in Paris earlier this summer. In Paris. Right. I mean, it was something like over 100, I believe, in Cambridge, England. Um, these are not places that it's typically... They're not Florida. They're not Florida. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, and they're not equipped for it. No. And... Um, and in fact, there's a very interesting article, I believe it was in the New York Times, maybe in the Washington Post, about um, parts of Russia, um, which is the coldest inhabited place on Earth. The permafrost is melting, and now all woolly, they're actually finding bodies oh, yeah. of woolly mammoths that yep. have been buried for, for tens of thousands of years um, under the permafrost because that's melting. That's crazy. Uh, Russia is not supposed to nope. be a warm place. Trust me. I lived there. It was the worst... God, it was an awful place to live because um, it's so cold. And um, now it's like, you know, balmy enough for permafrost to, to melt in parts of, in parts of Russia. Um, that's not normal. And for everybody who sits there and says, well, you know, it's a hoax. And, uh, you know, if you don't believe in science, you don't believe in science. But then just admit that you want to offer thoughts and prayers and that God's going to take care of this for you. And maybe this is some biblical reckoning of, you know, Armageddon coming. The rest of us who actually want to continue to live on planet Earth want to do something about this and um and we need to and there are things that we can do um the president pulling us out of the paris um climate accord and and it's just a continual effort whether it's on gun safety on climate um on on civil rights on 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 unification um you know e pluribus unum on all of that it's just this administration, it's like they set out to do the opposite. And not, I'm not saying this is a Democrat. They set out to do the opposite of what is good for the long-term health of this nation and this world. Um, and it's disappointing. In the iconic words of Britney Spears, crazy. Yes. <laughs> Drives me crazy.